0: Good morning. As Doug said, my name is Tyler. Um, it's so good to be here with all of you in the room this morning, uh, all of you online. Uh, we are going to have some fun continuing in this amazing summer series that we've been in here at Orsha, where we're really diving into who God is. Um, we start off this summer exploring who Jesus is. And now we're in um, the part of who the Father is. It's the last week of that. And then next week um, we get into who the Spirit is. So this whole concept of God being three different people all at the same time is not an easy concept to understand. And the teacher in me, check the math on this one, And it just doesn't add up. One plus one plus one equals one. That just doesn't look right up there. And I'm not sure if there's any first and second graders in the room. I think I saw one or two. Um, But if they're actually paying attention right now, I just lost a bunch of credibility with them because that does not add up. Um, But for some reason, um, with this who God is, one plus one plus one, does equal one. This whole Trinity concept is just a mystery to us humans because we always try to get it to make sense in our broken world. And I've heard um, a lot of analogies. Eric last week had the pie analogy. Um, The water analogy is one that has kind of stuck with me to help the Trinity make sense. So God is the son. God is the Father, and God is the Holy Spirit, three parts that equal one God. Well, water can be in three forms, too. So we can have water in a liquid form running from the faucet. Uh, We can have water in the solid form with ice cubes. And then we can get water in the gas form uh, when we heat it up and we get steam. So three forms, and finally, the Trinity is making sense, right? Not quite. So we keep trying to make sense of something that can't make perfect sense in our broken world. And that's actually gonna be a theme for this morning as we go through this teaching, because here is where God beats water. Water is never a liquid, a solid, and a gas, all at the same time. It can't be. I checked with the Google machine. It's never happened and it never will, all right? But God is the son, the Father, and the Spirit all at the same time. So kids, one plus one plus one just this morning does equal one. And I know with this new math that parents are loving at home, kids always have to explain their thinking. Um, I can't explain this one. Our one God is three distinct persons, and these three persons are pretty awesome. With all this confusion around the Trinity this morning and all time, I may be bouncing back and forth with how I refer to God. So this morning we are focusing in on the person of the Father. But just know as I get going and the sugar from the donuts I had this morning start to really kick in, I may refer to him as the Father. or God the Father, um, but just know we're focusing in on the Father this morning. And as we focus in on God the Father, we're going to focus in on a single attribute of the Father. The Father has like hundreds of attributes, but we're only in this summer series for four weeks, so we could only focus in on four. Alice had one, Eric had one, Ed had one, and then I'm focusing on one this morning. Um, The 96 other, I think Ed, since he's retired, he's gonna get together some podcasts, possibly. He's got a lot of time on his hands. He'll cover the other 96, I promise. Check it out, all right? But this morning, we're focusing in on a single attribute, and that's the father being generous. Now, as soon as I mentioned that we are learning about generosity today, a large number of adults immediately started thinking about money and giving to the church. Uh, I I bet I'm right on that one. But luckily they picked someone who's part kid and part adult this morning to talk. So we're gonna look at the different forms of generosity and how it can look different in different situations. We will start with money though. Um, I'm not sure how many of you in the room have heard of a football player named Jalen Hurts. Here's a picture of him. He has some amazing stories to go with his football career that took place at University of Alabama, Oklahoma. Now he's with the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. Um, The character that this kid showed when he was benched in this national championship game, biggest game of his football career. um, And he came back and never gave up and ended up in the NFL. It just makes this story of generosity not surprising to me at all. So he got drafted and during his rookie year, we were in the middle of this pandemic and he was trying to figure out his new NFL offense. With his brand new contract, he took $30,000 of it and gave it away to a family that he had never met before. Um, They were connected with this charity that he knew called Alex's Lemonade Stand. And this family had five kids, and the oldest kid was in a tough battle with cancer. And that $30,000 went to helping them move into a house instead of the two-bedroom trailer that they were living in. So then as this story started to get around of him giving away $30,000 to people he had never met before, The media also found out that as soon as he signed his first NFL contract, he set $70,000 aside for his younger sister's college tuition someday. This was a 22-year-old kid generously giving up $100,000 of his own money, and that's such a great picture of one piece of generosity. He came into this abundance of money, and he felt the compassion to give some of it away. However... That's not the only picture of generosity. There are other pictures. It's not all about the money this morning. So here's a picture. Who can spot the generosity in this picture right here? That's my four-year-old son, Ashton. And giving up one of the things that he values most in life more than his either of his brothers there's these gummy worms there's one gummy worm on every dirt worm donut and it is something that he truly loves more than just about anything Um, every time we get one he yanks it off there sometimes he gets into the box before i can even open it Um, and here um, he was willing to give up this gummy worm to me huge act of generosity now As I work to be real with you this morning, I wanna be honest, um, build some trust here. As I talked to Ashton on this morning about possibly giving up his gummy worm for me, showing generosity, just like God the Father is generous to us. Yes, I played the God card to try to get a gummy worm. I took this picture and then three or four other ones, and then, yeah, I didn't actually get the gummy worm. So he doesn't understand generosity yet, But we'll try again when he's five maybe he'll get that concept then there's still hope for him Uh, one last picture of generosity today see if you can spot the generosity in this picture right here Um, i do have to come out um, as we're trying to build this trust and be honest i love summer and i love baseball i really do Uh, i just want to get that out there now but at every game i can't get over all those parents aunts uncles grandparents and siblings who generously give their time to come and watch one of the most painfully slow sports in the history of sports. And again, I say I truly love baseball. I was at Wrigley on Friday watching the Cubs. I really like it. But a lot of us have some dark, dark memories of sitting in those uncomfortable lawn chairs in a 100-degree heat, watching our favorite nephew count butterflies in left field. (laughs) That is so generous of people to give their time for a youth baseball game. So generosity can be giving money, giving a gummy worm, or giving time to watch some youth baseball. It's about showing kindness and giving something valuable to someone else. And as we get ready to dive into the Bible, take a moment and think about how generosity has shown up in your life lately. And as I was preparing this, there's a story in the Bible about generosity that is perfect for our learning this morning. It takes place in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. And the story starts like this. A landowner went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is like a agreed upon daily wage for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others staying in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, about three in the afternoon, and then did the same thing. Then at about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others staying around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. All right, so if my math is right, which if you were paying attention earlier, it might not be, this landowner has five different groups of workers out in his vineyard. He's got the first group, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock. And just so you know, back in these days, work was not easy to find. Men would do their best to get any work in the fields that they could, no matter how many hours were available. And that's why the landowner found those guys at five o'clock, just hanging out in town, chatting up, hoping to get just a couple hours of work. And from what I understand, the landowner needed all five of these different groups to get all the work for the day done for him. So at the end of the day, he was happy because his work that needed to get done in the fields got done. However, I think his actual work is just about to begin this story. I'm thinking how in the world is he gonna figure out the pay with these guys? Does he actually have like an hourly wage figured out? Because they just went by daily wages back then. He could have a real mess on his hands here. So let's see how he handles these forms of payment in verses eight through 10 here when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received the same denarius." Oh, can you imagine the look on those dudes' faces when they had worked for probably 10 to 11 hours more than the guys who started at five out in those hot fields doing the tough work? I would have lost my mind on that landowner. And although now that I think about it, those guys who probably started way early in the morning were way too tired after 13 hours of work to make a fuss about it. And no matter how much fuss they made, I can guarantee You that they were not happy about this. Let's see how they react. Verses 11 through 15 read like this. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous?" Wow. This landowner was full of wisdom. The workers immediately play the unfair card, just like every six-year-old does when his sister gets nine cookies and he only gets six. I feel like the landowner may have expected this move would ruffle some feathers a little bit, and they were prepared for this argument. The landowner comes right back at the workers and says they had an agreement, and the landowner held up their end of the agreement. The workers shouldn't worry their little hearts about any other agreements that the landowner had made with other workers. So they need to take their money and get going. The landowner should get to decide what they do with their money. And then that last sentence that the landowner used is one of those perfect questions that doesn't even give anyone a chance to respond because silence is really the only response anyone can give. Are you envious because I am generous? Oh, I just envision those workers putting their head down, gripping their money a little tighter and getting out of there as fast as they can. This story just doesn't make sense in our world that we live in right now. In our world right now, we earn what we get. As parents, that's what we teach our kids a lot of the time. You have to go out and work hard to get the things that you want. You want that toy from Target? It's time to start learning how to pick some weeds for some quarters then, because this is how our world is set up. We often think that God the Father is set up the same way. We have to earn His love. We have to put in the work to be in His favor. That would make sense in the world we live in. However, I'm telling you this morning, that is not how God the Father works. The Father does not operate on a merit-based system. He operates on a grace-based system. The Father constantly gives generously to all and expects nothing in return. Everything we have in this life is a gift from Him, he created us. We did nothing in the creation process. And every day, we breathe air that we don't deserve, and we enjoy the warmth of the sun that we did absolutely no work to get. And as I think about this, I have never been in a spot in my life where I could turn to the Father and say, You owe me. I deserve this. I just can't imagine what I would have to do to be able to turn to God and say that. That's crazy talk. <clears throat> think for a moment. Was there a time or has there been a time where you thought God owed you or you deserved something from him? I do not deserve anything that the Father has given me, and I certainly do not deserve anything that I think he should give me. And even with all of this, God continues to give generously to me and all of us. And he is not interested in getting anything back from me or anything back from you. The Father is not interested in any good works that I can do. He is interested in something much more important. But before we get into what God the Father is interested in, that's way more important than good works, I just, as I was preparing this, I couldn't shake that last statement from the landowner Are you envious because I am generous? god the father is as generous as it gets to all of us and with this last year that we have all experienced i can't get over how envious i have been of his generosity in others lives and as i started to think about this past year and the envy that i've seen um, as i looked at generosity in others lives Um, It could have been with the COVID vaccine. I was so envious when other people were getting the vaccine before me. I mean, I was spending seven to eight hours a day in a small classroom with 23 seven-year-olds. Who would deserve a vaccine more than me? Or when I heard someone gain a COVID test and the medical person took a small Q-tip and gently swabbed the outer part of each nostril, and then their test was done. Man, was I envious of that generosity. How come that person didn't get to take part of the magic trick like I did? For my COVID test, they took a swab as long as my four-year-old's arm, and they were working on making it disappear up my nose until, as every story goes, they ran into a problem and they got stuck. And then the lady asked me, had I broken my nose when I was little? Apparently, the correct answer to that question would be yes, because I said no, and then she gave that thing a nice shove, and abracadabra, it was gone. I had no idea where it went. My brain was on fire, my eyes were leaking, and then she had the audacity to say she was gonna do it again on the other side. I tried to tell her I broke that side of my nose when I was little, but she wasn't listening, and there it went. So yes, landowner, I was envious of the generosity in others' lives. I really struggle with these feelings of envy towards people who were experiencing the generosity of the Father in their life. And I'm guessing that some of you might have experienced these struggles too during this past year, or maybe even before COVID, if anybody can remember a time before COVID. Why did I think I was the only one who deserved the Father's generosity? Just because I hadn't murdered anyone or swore that day or eaten turkey bacon? Yes, I do believe turkey bacon is a sin. I just don't trust it. It doesn't seem right. (sighs) I deserved his generosity more than that person over there. I had to work hard this year to make sure I understood that I never have and I never will be able to tell God that he owes me. Never have never will. There was this phrase that I found myself repeating so much this past year as I became aware of these struggles. A win is a win no matter who it is for. So luckily I started to recognize that I was missing out on the generosity of the Father in other people's lives. I would only celebrate His generosity when it happened in my life. And I was missing out on so many celebrations. I should be happy for a win no matter who gets it. A win in someone else's life doesn't mean that I lose. It just means that they won. And with how generously the Father constantly gives, I was probably gonna get a win like right now. Being able to breathe this air right now is a win for me. Having a car to get me here this morning is a win. Being blessed with a wife who always helps me come up with an outfit that's not a t-shirt and basketball shorts to wear up here, that's a win. The opportunity to be up here this morning and to be a part of his kingdom building is a win. With a generous father, the wins and blessings are easy to find if we do not let things like envy get in the way while we're searching for them. So take a moment here this morning just think about the wins or blessings in others' lives that you may have missed celebrating lately. And what about the wins or blessings from the Father in your own life that you have missed celebrating because you were focused on being jealous of the winds in others' lives? And as you think about that this morning, um, Summer Olympics are here, so exciting. And I just, this picture popped up as I was preparing this part of the teaching. We all saw this photo blow up all over the internet when Phelps dominated another Summer Olympics a few years back. And that gentleman at the top of the picture, was so focused on Phelps that he missed out on how well he was doing. I'm not sure exactly the angle of this photo, but it sure looks like he was beating Phelps or hanging with him. And now we all know how this ends. Phelps crushes the competition. But that swimmer was hanging with one of the greatest swimmers ever. And he most likely got caught up in envy or worry about the blessings or wins in someone else's life, and he missed out on the win in his life. Now, those of you who are good note-takers out there are waiting for me to go back to what the Father is interested in that is more important than good works. We we have a constantly generous Father who expects nothing in return from us for his generosity, and his generosity continues no matter how we act towards him. Why does his generosity continue no matter how we act? that again does not fit the world as we know it here on earth when my son kicks his brother in the head I get mad at him and I pick him up and I take him to his room so he can think about what things he should kick and shouldn't kick that's how that works I don't give him a hug and tell him that I love him after he kicks his brother in the head and I certainly don't delight in him this is of course because I am a sinner in our broken world God the Father is not a sinner in our broken world. He truly does delight in all of us, no matter what we do. He delights in us. That means He delights in us when we haven't showered for five days. He delights in us when we keep making the same mistake over and over again with the family member, and we keep lashing out at them, even though they are not the one we're angry at. He delights in us even when we do not share the gummy worm on our dirtworm donut. How does that make you feel knowing that you have a heavenly Father that delights in you no matter how you look or how you act? I know how I feel. I feel loved, I feel cared about, and I feel safe. And when I feel loved, cared about, and safe, I have a chance to take the time and effort to get to know God the Father. And as I get to know him, my love for him continues to grow as I learn about how generous he is in my life and the life of everyone else. That is what I believe God the Father is interested in that is way more important than good works to him. He just wants us to get to know him and to love him, to get to know him and love him. That's all He wants from us, as He gives generously and delights in all of us each and every day. 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 11 says it way better than I ever could. It says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God the Father loved us first and made the most generous act anyone has ever seen or ever will see. He gave up His very own Son to die on the cross for us because He loved us. And because He loved us, we should also love one another. We should celebrate the wins and the blessings in others' lives. We cannot miss out on the Father's generosity and love just because it's in someone else's life and is not a win for us. He loved us first. He gave his son for us. We ought to get to know him, love him, and love others. And this morning, as you're kind of thinking about how all this might apply to your life, how you might start to get to work on getting to know God the Father better and learning to celebrate his generosity in others' lives, there is this practice that I tried this past month that I want to share with you as I end this teaching this morning. So. It's called Soul Training, and it comes from this book by James Bryan Smith called The Good and Beautiful God. And our teaching team um, used this book um, as we prepared our teachings this summer. And for this Soul Training activity, we have to go to Psalm 23 in the Bible. And here's Psalm 23. So it reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So for this soul training activity, these past couple months, I've read this psalm multiple times a day, um, like quite a few times because I am terrible at memorizing Bible verses. I still had to read it there, still don't have it memorized after two months. Um, And to be honest, the first week, two weeks that I did this soul training activity, I didn't really notice any changes in my mindset. But I trusted the process and I kept reading, reciting this psalm in my daily life, and then I started to notice things in kind of that third week towards the end of the second week. I started to notice God leading me along the right paths. So at the end of the school year, I was blessed with this new amazing job opportunity as I moved from a teacher in Cedar Falls into this role of instructional coach in Cedar Falls. And I'm not one for change. Change is super scary for me and I definitely don't change jobs. The school I um, was at was my family my home, um, this was a very uncertain, uncertain place for me, and I just wasn't sure about it. But all of a sudden, this psalm started to really kick in with this soul train. It helped me feel safe with all this change. I started to notice how his cup was overflowing with generous blessings in my life as I was about to make this change. Um, With this new job, I get the chance to work in this amazing building with some amazing people that I had no idea how amazing they were. Um, I get the chance to challenge myself and grow as a person and as a professional. And I get the chance um, with this new role to have a broader impact on people. So this psalm over time really helped me get to know God the Father better. And I gained a better understanding of how much He loves me and delights in me even though I'm a sinner who falls short each and every day. This psalm helped to remind me daily that the Father gave His one and only Son for my life so that I could love Him forever. Feel free to give this exercise a try and see what you learn about God the Father or how you grow in your relationship with Him. He is as generous as they come, and He is constantly blessing each and every one of us, looking for absolutely nothing in return. And as I close my teaching here uh, this morning, uh, the worship team has this absolutely perfect song um, that goes just with God the Father's generosity in an absolute amazing fashion. So I'm going to invite them up, and you guys can enjoy this worship. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much, so, so much for your goodness um, that is always running after us. Um, And I thank you for this morning as we can kind of take this time um, to reflect on how appreciative we've been in the goodness of the goodness that you've given us and given others. And I pray that uh, you can challenge us and help us celebrate your generosity, no matter if it's a a win in our lives, or if it's a win for others. A win's a win, no matter who it's for, because you are such a good God. Thank you so much for your generosity. Amen.